Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of the Just Go Bike podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycling just for the fun of it. So we're going to have stories from Ragbri Nation and all across the world. Come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. My name is Kyle Munson. I'm just one of the many guest hosts in the rotation here, a friend of bicycling, Ragbri, and journalism and everything else. And this episode on the line, I am joined by Jared Fenstermacher, who is a an avid bicyclist, but also somebody who has quite a unique story. And occasionally we talk about people who are doing these epic bicycle treks across the country, that sort of a thing. Well, this is one that has uh, had to have been done in pieces because four years ago, it was August 11th, 2016, when Jared was 18 days into a 30-day bicycle trip when he was hit near Hinton, Iowa, by a truck and uh, suffered some severe injuries, which he can talk about. But what is happening now, four years later, is he's back to complete this trek and uh, in a hand cycle, in a hand in a hand bicycle, which you've probably seen out there if you're a bicyclist of any uh, of any type. Um, I've bicycled alongside hand cyclists on Ragbri and on the road. So, Jared, thank you. Uh, I think you're talking to us from outside of Pittsburgh. Thanks for joining Jesco Bike Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, let's, you know, just to give listeners a sense of uh, what this is all about. First, before we talk about the more recent events, why did you find yourself bicycling in the middle of America in 2016? I mean, you were, where were you living at that time, and, and why were you out here bicycling? Well, I was uh, living in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, where I went to college, and, uh, I had moved back up to the area after college. I got a job. I owned a house. And uh, the bicycling trip across the country was always something I wanted to do since high school. And life just got in the way. I uh, worked summer jobs. And I decided that finally, after getting laid off at the job I had at age 31 in 2016, that the time was now. I had no debt. Nobody tying me down. And I was in really good shape, a cat two, uh, racing cyclist and decided that, uh, I was just going to go and do this trip and I trained really hard for probably two months. I already had a pretty good mileage base, but with a, a trip like that, you really have to work on your mileage base and keep your miles really high. Uh, and that's what I was doing before, uh, leading up to it. So the, the impetus of doing the trip was being laid off, knowing that, it wasn't getting any younger and being in really good shape. It was time to do it. And I also always wanted to do it to support a cause that was relating to cancer because I had lost my grandfather in 2005 to uh, prostate cancer. And I chose to do it for a charity that was called For Pete's Sake, which is a cancer respite foundation that's out of Philadelphia that uh, basically essentially uses this slogan, take a break from cancer because they have respite homes that are in Florida. And if they're nominated by their doctor having pretty late stages of cancer, they're able to uh, take a break from cancer, so to speak. And their families and themselves are invited to go on a week vacation at these vacation homes in Florida. So I was able to, in a nutshell, I achieved the goal I wanted to of raising $10,000 for the cancer charity in the process of doing the original trip. So that's, that was what I did. That's great. So 
But now it was August. So do you remember riding on that August 11th before you got hit by the truck, which, I mean, you mentioned you were able to fulfill the goal, which was great, uh, which was great at the fundraising. But what happened that day? Do you remember just the moment? Yeah, sure. I mean, I have a really good memory. Uh, I didn't have any brain damage. I had nothing more than a mild concussion, thankful to a, a really good helmet that I had just got, uh, Cannondale helmet, probably literally a few weeks before the trip. But won't go into extreme detail, but yeah, I could write a book on any of that stuff just because it was so prolific and something you got to go through. But um, I had uh, started out that day. It was the day 18, the last day uh, I was riding the bike, uh, last day I ever rode a bike as a, an able-bodied person. But I had left out of uh, Avon, South Dakota, which isn't terribly far from Yankton on uh, Route 50, that main road that cuts through South Dakota. And basically, uh, had stopped in Vermilion where USD is and I met a second cousin of mine who I didn't realize was actually the mayor of Vermilion. He had been a previous uh, professor at USD and I had lunch with him and I continued on from Vermilion, which is really close to the South Dakota Iowa border, obviously, and continued on uh, not very far. Uh, I probably made it about 20 or 30 miles east of Vermilion, uh, just just west of Hinton, a couple miles outside of town on C60 where I got uh, hit when I was riding. But uh, yeah, I remember everything basically up until about, I would say just a couple minutes. That something that traumatic, highway speed, you're typically not going to really remember anything about actually getting hit. Most people that went through similar things I've talked to would tell you the same thing. Your brain doesn't want to remember that. It's probably so traumatic that, you, you know, you weren't, you were pretty rough shape that you probably wouldn't anyway. But I base and, but the really crazy thing was I had found in 18 days, I didn't encounter any rain whatsoever while riding. It was, it was a drought hmm. that summer. I was really fortunate. But uh, when I had just crossed over the Iowa border, there was a rainstorm that had hit and I was literally in torrential downpour with lightning and it wasn't for more than a minute and i came up one of those rolling hills how they go up and down there in western iowa and i saw a barn the top of this little kicker climb and i ran for the door and the door was open and it was unlocked and as it turns out that was a blessing of course since it was unlocked because i later spoke with the guy that uh had the farm and he said he never usually leaves that unlocked. And I hid out <clears throat> the rain for, I was stuck there for a while. It was a good, it, it let up for a minute. I was going to leave and it started again. So I, I hold up on this, uh, this farm for about two hours in this barn and then it cleared up. Uh, and the, the reason the story is I ended up, the guy ended up coming to see me in the hospital. What happened was I stayed in this barn and I let, he had a vice in there and I left a note uh, that I clamped into the vice and it just said, uh, thank you for not locking the door. And I don't want you to think I took anything. I stayed for two hours and I wrote down the Facebook page I had for my ride page. And anyway, it, it took him about two weeks till he, till he saw it. But, uh, he ended up seeing this note after I, you know, was subsequently in the hospital and his wife got on Facebook and found my page and wanted to, he wanted to come in and meet me in the hospital. And, uh, but that, yeah, what I remember is just leaving that note and 
I left on C38, a couple miles. I turned right on K22, and I left on C60. I was on C60 for probably a mile and a half or so, and I remember all that, and I can remember probably up to about, I would say, within two minutes of getting hurt, and then then just nothing, then just waking up in the hospital probably like the next day, and, um, you know, I was sedated and under a lot of narcotics, but um, I just couldn't. I broke both my humeruses I, in my bicep. I broke both my arms and I couldn't move my, couldn't feel or move anything below the waist. So wow. uh, that's how that went. Well, I mean, yeah, horrible injury. So yeah, you broke your back, your arms, you were in the hospital for a month. And that's, well, that's a remarkable little story too. It's a note left in a vice grip in a farmer's barn that leads him to then come visit you when you're still in the hospital because you were there for a month, and then you had weeks more of rehab back in Philly, I think it was. Um, Correct. Well, so a couple of things come to mind. One is I know that this is something that is covered over and over, just you know, car bicycle accidents, trying to reduce that and also trying to bring, uh, bring more awareness to drivers out there to accommodate bicyclists, slow down for bicyclists. And um, have you ever spoken to the person that hit you? Because I know there was some coverage at the time about how that just resulted in a $500 fine, I think, and maybe a couple days in jail. And that, yeah, spurred, that was, spurred a lot of discussion about just, you know, what, what, what should be done in those situations. Right. So that was about, and you're pretty close. It was like a $750 fine. I think it was like two days, basically a weekend, two days in jail or something. But um, actually, oddly enough, uh, yes, I never got to talk to the uh, guy that he did stop, of course, and all that. And he, you know, called 911 right away, but I never got to really talk to that guy because as far as the litigation goes, that's pretty much hands off. I'm, he, I'm sure he felt bad. He, and he wanted to come in to see me. I would have been open to that, but, uh, I wasn't allowed to talk to him during the process of, you know, the, the litigation with his insurance and we couldn't talk to each other. So yeah. we never spoke ever. And I, got into Hinton and I, uh, I did go out and meet the guy that, uh, had the, uh, uh, that came to see me in the hospital. He stayed in touch with me. Super nice guy that has a farm that's near that farm that he leased the land. But, um, I went and visited with him and stayed there one night and had previously met the nurses and did the thing on the news and yada, yada. And I just decided that I was gonna, uh, it's kind of something old school that, a lot of people nowadays just figure, well, if somebody's not on Facebook, they give up. But I don't give up in general with things. And I knew I just had to get right with a little bit of religious side in there, I guess, with just doing what I thought was right, what I had to do for more closure for the um, guy that hit me than me. But he used to volunteer for the fire company. So I went to the fire company and found out that the fire chief was employed at the public works department, small town, by the way. And mm -hmm. uh, he... I went down there and, you know, I got my chair out and went over and they were just about done working. I identified uh, who I was. And at first he was kind of like, kind of wondering, like, what's this guy doing here? Like, is he, mm. what's he up to? Is he mad? Is he coming peace or not? And I said who I was and I said, you know who I am. And if he was at the, the scene, I guess, apparently, because their EMTs are also the fire department. So um, I didn't mention anything specific about meeting the guy since his coworkers with him. But then. I reached out to him on uh, Facebook and, you know, I had to, like I said, I had to, I had to follow through to do some digging on this and I did my diligence. It wasn't hard since it was a small town, but 
he talked to the guy and asked him, and then he gave me his phone number, talked to him on the phone for the first time uh, for a while, like 20 minutes, and I offered to meet him, you know, to get something to eat or whatever. And But, yeah, we met, and uh, I just remember when he came outside. I was comfortable with it. it you know, it was four years ago, but mm-hmm. I remember I, he came outside. I said I was outside, and he came outside to meet me, and I'm in a chair, and I looked up, and I said, you're a big guy. His dude was like six five and like probably like two thirty. Like just, I made that public that I did that and stuff. And people said, "Oh, that was very honorable." Like I did that for nobody but me and that guy. I don't look for accolades and the stuff I do or anything I've ever done. But you know, I just wanted to make sure that he had closure and knew that you know, you know, I wasn't mad at him or anything like that. And you know, forgiveness was granted pretty much immediately because you have to. You absolutely have to move forward when something like this happens. It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy to do, but you can't like whatever, whenever somebody gets one of these injuries, it's obviously devastating, but you can't go back. So uh, anyway, yes, I, I met him uh, just a few weeks ago at a, at a bar in Hinton, Iowa. And we had dinner and had a nice conversation and I told him I was back out to finish the trip. And the only thing I did say to him was just to remind him that, uh, you know, I showed him the 250 lumen tail light I had on my bumper. And I said, I said, you want to, you know, make right in the future with what happened. I said, whenever you see people that are riding, you know, whether it be day or night with, without lights on, I said, I said, you see how bright this light is? I said, you know, spread the word that people should always have a good light on and stuff. And that, you know, I just kind of encouraged him and I'm sure he looks out. Anybody that's been through something like that probably really looks out for, cyclist all the time because he's probably if anything maybe a bit paranoid that it might that he he might see another bike and blah 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 but i guess my point is uh yeah there's uh so i did meet him and it was it was really positive i think it was really good for both of us and uh to answer your question i that just happened a few weeks ago so i've done a ton of stuff i did a ton of stuff while i was in sioux city and met i mean uh everybody in that was involved that i would have liked to have met. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I, I can't lie to you. Like, I mean, I, I entered the state thinking, man, like, you know, I, as any cyclist has to be careful. I'd been so careful, uh, throughout my life cycling. I raced for 10 years, probably rode 10,000 miles a year and, you know, never had a problem. Always a few close calls as anybody would all, all the time. But I remember coming into Iowa and thinking, man, this is, you know, this is where Ragbri is. So, there's all these people that ride every year and they're probably super cycling aware. And I, I did, I did let my guard down a little bit. And I remember talking about this before, but uh, nobody is in today's society with distracted driving, as was the case with, with this, there's, it doesn't matter where you're at. You always have to stay on point and keep your head up and be aware of your surroundings and, and whatnot. But um, if you would have asked me ahead of time before I took the trip, the least likely place I thought it would have been, it would have been a county farm road that goes through a cornfield in Iowa. But that's where it happened. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. I'm not no stranger to try. I've ridden, I've ridden through New York City and Manhattan at rush hour on purpose just for that premium rush, like in the movie. And I never all kinds of traffic, ripping through traffic, riding like a nut, and never had a problem. Hit, hit get hit from behind on a road that thirty cars might drive on a day. On, that cuts through a cornfield in Iowa. So it could happen anywhere. And, uh, you know, as, as far as that goes, it's just, uh, you know, you just got to be aware. And the, the, uh, 
The news is relentless. They don't leave you alone. And they wanted to know, well, what do you think about the fact that this guy that hit you only got like a slap on the wrist and this and that? And I said, it, does it matter? Like, no comment. It doesn't matter because it doesn't change what happened to me. And despite the fact in the future, in every state, the penalty should be a little harsher, doesn't change the fact that I'm hurt. So I'm not mad at it doesn't matter. So I just think that, you know, on that, on that note, you know, that this is a problem across the country. And I explained it to people before, once I thought about it, since I was out there and whatnot, the reality of it is if the simple fact of seriously injuring a cyclist was a mandatory felony and a mandatory year in jail, people left and right. And I just thought of this a few weeks ago, since I've been out there and had time to reflect People would be looking for bicycles left and right. And anybody that knows this stuff, it came across my radar a few months ago. I believe that in 2019, I think there was 150 people killed in Florida. And that was roughly about a quarter of all the cycling motor vehicle deaths in the country were just in Florida alone. Obviously, the, the warmth and people riding you around and stuff. And of all those people that were killed in 2019, and it was that many people, I believe it was 150, not one of the people that hit those people did a day in jail, not one day. And, and some of those people were hit intentionally, you know, and all I'm saying is, uh, for some reason, there's a lot of dehumanization that occurs with cyclists for some reason. And, uh, you know, as try as I might, and I'm not saying I don't try, but you know, just just me going to some congressman and making an issue out of this because of what I went through and showing up in a chair or whatever, that's it it's such a it's such a bear to fight City Hall, so to speak. And you getting ten thousand people to sign a petition and taking that to some Iowa senator or representative, that ain't magically just gonna change this. And uh it, it's it's so it's so much on a on a national level that this is happening everywhere. And uh, unfortunately, it's caused a lot of people to stop riding after hearing about things that can happen and and people just turning more to uh, non-road related cycling, mountain bike and gravel, whatever. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of people didn't realize just how bad the laws were until you hear stories of something like happened to me. And you know, the, the person didn't even get a record. Now, he's a nice guy. I can't, I can't say anything bad at all. You know, everybody in some point in their life has driven distracted. So what happened could happen to anybody. I've been distracted at times. But the point is, these people that just don't care and get too close because they don't care, um, you know, if the penalties were much stiffer, people would actually be on the lookout. Oh, I better not hit a cyclist because I could spend years in jail, but that's not reality. And that doesn't happen anywhere in this country. Well, yeah. Well, so on that note, I mean, I want to talk to about why you're back now to complete this journey. But, but, but before that, I want to ask about just getting comfortable yourself emotionally because of what, everything you've just mentioned, getting back out there to biking on the road again. I mean, a much different bicycle, but did it take you time to feel comfortable uh, making yourself vulnerable on the road again and, and being out there? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. That was never really, uh, everybody's different with that. I know some people that have been in accidents, uh, similar, uh, in general, not as worth with causing a disability, but some of them chose to gave it, give it up. And that just wasn't something I wanted to do. But 
So I'll you were honest. out there biking right away again, or I mean, how, I mean, when you were physically yeah. able? Yeah, man. I'll be honest with you. Like, uh, you know, the thing about being like impacted from behind, like, it's not like I had like PTSD is triggered by something that you know you had happen, and then something similar like almost happens again. Much more related to like head-on accidents and mm -hmm. and war war stories and this and that. I didn't have any of that stuff, and everybody has to go through psychological evaluations when these things happen and they knew I didn't have a problem with it. So yeah, I mean, I had to wait for my arms to heal and stuff, but I would say if a month after I got back home from rehab, I, I was, it wasn't the good one I have now. I had borrowed one, but yeah, I was back on the road. No, no fear of, uh, ha getting hit again, have to be a little safer with the hand cycle with flags and able-bodied cyclists and or follow vehicles like I am now. But, um, no, no fear of it happening again. And uh, my thing, I was always that way as far as riding before because a lot of people gave it up before they ever even had an accident because they didn't want to have an accident. And my, in my mind, the thing was you're letting uh, distracted drivers and people that just aren't good drivers or don't paying attention. You're you're letting that fear that they're striking into, which everybody has it a little bit. You're you're letting. You're letting that status quo as as the motorist as they were in the country win because you're giving up the battle on your right to cycle on the road. Yeah. And that's your right to do that. And I really find fault with people that just – I'm actually insulted if you would say, well, after what happened to you, I stopped riding on the road. I'm insulted. If everybody I knew was hit and killed tomorrow I, and I wasn't hurt – I would still ride on the road hmm. and call me stubborn. Or some people say, do you have a death wish? No, I have, <laughs> I have a living wish. You know, we, if you're afraid to die, like you're not really living in the first place. Any, you know, anything can happen when you walk outside your house each day and getting through each day is, is a blessing in and of itself. So I, I, no, I wasn't, I wanted, I told the nurses that whether it be obviously a miraculous recovery to use a regular bike or use a hand cycle. I told the nurses that I was going to come back out to finish this trip. And, uh, when I came back out to see him, they said, you know, you, you, you said you were going to do this and here you are. It took four years. So what, what brought you back to, to finish? So you were determined to finish this journey from the start. Obviously you were telling the hospital staff nurses that you were going to see them again and do this. Why, why now? Was four years just kind of that recovery time or what, what made you pick this COVID year and this fall of 2020? What happened was in uh, 2019, uh, in the fall, I do mind the heat a little bit more with the, not so much because of the injury, because I'm just not outside as much and you don't go as fast. Let's be honest. I think the fall, my opinion, is the best time. Right now, I think is the, the month of October is the best time to ride a bicycle period, end of story, hmm. in any, any colder climate, my opinion. But uh, I wanted to do it in the fall of 2019, and my friend, who I'm actually visiting with now, was a, a two-time All-American in cross-country, and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. The ceremony was just a few blocks from my house at the college, and I didn't want to miss that, so I postponed the trip because of that this past fall uh, in 19 and your your recovery period with a spinal cord injury is typically 
about two years. You, you, you do gain maybe a little bit after that, but it's not really much. And, and they're, they're truthful about that when they say that. Most people see you kind of are where you are after two years. So I wanted to build up some fitness with the hand cycle thing for the year after that. And then uh, that would have put me, you know, into the a fall of 19 and uh, didn't happen because of this Hall of Fame induction for my teammates. So uh, that brought me to this fall. And beyond that, the reason it really came to fruition was because a friend of mine was participating in one of the only sanctioned races of a road race variety that even happened in the country. Lo and behold, it was in a uh, state that is probably the least affected by COVID, but the low two jaw bicycle race is the 200 mile sanctioned race. It's the longest in the country. And they did still hold that this year, despite COVID and goes from Logan, Utah to Jackson, Wyoming. It's point to point. And, uh, I flew out of Harrisburg with a friend of mine on September 10th. Uh, the race was on the 12th. He needed a, uh, follow vehicle because that's required to participate in the race. You have to have SAG and rented an SUV. I had my bike with kind of knew once I got to Sioux city, I was hopefully going to get somebody to drive. So that's why I brought it with, but to the point, um, post race in Jackson, we engaged in about a four day road trip from Jackson across, uh, the Tetons, with the national park, Yellowstone, uh, the Badlands, and he had to go back to work, uh, flew out of Sioux Falls. And, you know, if he wouldn't have done the bike race, if they wouldn't have had the bike race, uh, and he wouldn't have not have done it and, or this might've not have come to fruition with my ride because we ended up doing this national park tour and dropping him off at the airport in Sioux Falls to go back to work. And, at that point, I'm only an hour and a half from Sioux City. And how much closer do you want to be? It's now or <laughs> never. So uh, I drove down through and uh, the rest of the stuff I kind of already talked about. But I wanted to meet uh, these people and kill some time there. I would have liked to have only killed a few days. But I spent about two weeks and no pretty much everything to know about all the bars and restaurants and fourth street and Sioux city. I can tell you that. <laughs> so uh, you're trying, and this is all part of an effort to go the 1200 miles from, right. from Hinton right. back to ocean city, New Jersey and to, yeah. to complete this goal. Um, right. so what's it been like so far? Cause I guess you've struggled to, to I mean, just trying to get support drivers. So you've been yeah. cycling and then trying to arrange support and kind of, uh, stopping and starting along the way then basically. Yeah, correct. So it, you know, that, it's, it's a different animal for sure. And some people, you, I never walked, I never wore these shoes and try and empathize with somebody that you can't really empathize with because you're not disabled is something that I wouldn't have pretended that I could have done before, uh, being, uh, when I wasn't injured. Cause you just don't know what's all involved. A lot of people just think, well, it's just limited to movement or something. And it's so much more than that. Like you're, it's really hard for somebody that's disabled to hear that somebody claims that they're completely independent. Well, they might be, but the only reason that that's possible is because they actually gave up things that they used to do because if they still tried to do those things, it's not possible for them to be independent or else they just never did those things. So if you're a really active person, you know, I hiked about a third of the Appalachian that ain't happening anymore. Nobody's going to carry on boulders and stuff. Like I I'm very familiar with, 
the trail and how rocky it is and stuff. And there's just some things you have to put out of your mind. But uh, my point is the uh, engagement of completing the trip is uh, a little bit complicated by the fact that if you're able-bodied, if you're not injured, all you have to do is ride your bike. You wake up, you, you eat, and you ride your bike and you sleep. And that's all you do. All right, throw a shower in there, obviously. But uh, the hand cycle side of it comes into play because – you know, you have medical supplies, you have, you know, your, uh, your wheelchair primarily. And this is a really light chair. It's weighs 10 pounds, but weight a pound's a pound. I'm not going to somehow drag the chair behind the bike and so on. And, uh, right. you can't do it as much as it's different for me being fiercely independent pre-injury. A lot of people think that when they do something like this, they need support. Maybe if you're really not in good shape and or elderly or have you know, that might, or, or disabled, that might be the case. But having done 18 days of riding without ever not making it to my destination, uh, or having, you know, to do less than I averaged a hundred a day, sometimes much more, sometimes less, just averaging a hundred a day every day for 18 days. I've already done this. I know what's involved. I know what can be done. So, you know, it's just a different animal because, you need help. You know, you absolutely need help. You can't do this with a hand cycle and this, the stuff that you need by yourself because you need a vehicle to carry your stuff that you need because you are injured and life is different. So you can do about half the distance, about 50 a day is all you're really going to be good for as opposed to 100 with your just your arm power. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's there was 1,200 miles remaining of the 3,000 having completed 1,800. So – when you look at that, it's basically all but a month. You know, it's 24, 25 days. Uh, even at 60 a day, it's 24. So, you know, it's basically um, just roads that normally would be okay with a regular bike. Hand cycling is a different entity. Um, you know, there's there's so many roads in Iowa, for whatever reason, that are heavily concreted and not uh, asphalt. And because of that, since it's late in sections, you have those big cracks in the road every 10 or 20 feet. Yes. Uh, to somebody that's not familiar with hand cycling, what I explained it to somebody was that if you put your laid your head down on a table or laid your head down on a two by four and add, you know, pick find a friend and have him grab a claw hammer and hit the two by four a foot away from your head while your head's laying on it, that happens. <laughs> that happens every 10 seconds. When you're riding a hand cycle on a concreted farm road in Iowa, because I only have 20 inch tires in the back and my head is in direct contact with my seat, which would be assimilated if you would rest your head on your seat while you hit a bump and uh, it'll give you a headache in a hurry. And I had to skip a bunch. And it wasn't just in Iowa. I I had to skip some sections because the whole point of this was there's there's an illusion that you think that. If you're a go-getter and you're stubborn, that you're just going to pick up where you left off, which I did. I knew the exact spot. I started probably within 50 feet of where I was impacted and thought, okay, this guy's going to drive. He's going to carry my stuff, and I'm riding every inch. Because I had ridden every inch of the road from the Pacific Ocean in Astoria to the point of impact. I never I never skipped any sections. I don't like that. i purist, if you will, in that regard. But mm-hmm. again, you're being unrealistic with the condition of some of these roads with all the cracks and also lack of shoulder and this and that. And, um, 
you know, I just couldn't take it some days. I, I would, the one day I took four Advil, I don't, I don't get headaches. The one day I took four Advil and I still got a headache because it was bang, bang with these cracks in the road and, and your head and stuff. So, um, and then ultimately I made it to Davenport riding, uh, you know, quite a bit, not all of it, but, um, I had to skip something. So uh, the only good thing about that is once you accept the fact that you can't do it, uh, in its entirety, maybe with some bad roads and stuff, the, accepting it at first might've been a little rough, but once I did, I was like, well, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm riding when I can. And, uh, sometimes you just can't. And, you know, 50, 50, half driving, half yeah. riding, uh, Indiana, uh, excuse me, Illinois, Indiana, and not a ton in Ohio. But once again, the reason was, uh, I was in Sandusky and, uh, the, the guy that had driven out that was friends with, uh, Dieter from, uh, from Ragbride. Ragbride director. Was, yeah. Dieter Drake. Right. Yeah. Dieter Drake was nice guy was able to ask some people in the, you know, we, as cyclists, we have a lot of connections around the, the country and some more than others. And he was instrumental in, uh, making this a reality to still be able to keep going. And cause I, I, I didn't have time to just sit there and wait another, who knows how long for somebody to pick up. And I only really lost, uh, probably a day stay with a relative in Chicago and a guy drove up from Maryland and was able to pick up the slack. I returned the rental, uh, yeah. He had his personal vehicle. So you're, he, yeah, I mean, yeah. so you're stitching together these uh, support drivers and, and making your way across right. the country on the way to New Jersey. So right. what, I mean, how can people, how can listeners follow you as you kind of keep doing sure. this? What's the best right. way for them to track you? Sure. Well, uh, that's pretty easy there. I kind of did this again, picking up where I left off with my Facebook page that I created in 2016. So, uh, it's simply facebook.com forward slash Jared's Ride, J-A-R-E-D-S-R-I-D-E. There's right. no punctuation in there. Jared's so Ride on Facebook, okay. Right, facebook.com forward slash Jared's Ride, J-A-R-E-D-S-R-I-D-E. And it's really a one-stop shopping for people to see where I'm at, uh, how, how it's going, and, and the, of course the support of the – charity yeah that's great so what happens when you reach ocean city new jersey i mean what 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 does it mean for you to hit the finish line of this well i'll be honest with you not to be cliche but after that i'm going to disney world um (laughs) are you serious serious no no i've no i've been to disney world like not sure they're open at the moment but i I don't know that they are but i had to i had to i had to do that i had to it was i'm going to disney world uh but once i get there uh now I can't walk down there. My chair is ten grand. That ain't getting anywhere near that sand, I can assure you. And uh, I don't weigh that much, one hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, I guess I'll just have two big guys carrying me down there. And the yeah. bike's a lot of money too. And that ain't getting anywhere near the sand either. No sir. Yeah. So I pretty much got this week ahead of me to, uh, as we say up over here with this course that we have, crush the Commonwealth. There's a there's a well marked course that runs. From Pittsburgh to Philly, uh, it's a race that they do every year, east to west. I'll be riding it the other direction, obviously. But once you get to the uh, the course runs from uh, Pittsburgh downtown to the Liberty Bell in Philly, it's about 380 miles. It's a nice, well-marked bike route. I'm using that route. And then my team that's based out of Philly probably has plenty of different routes that they'd like to use 
that would get me just the final day. It's only probably about 50 from Philadelphia to Ocean City. And, you know, we'll take care of that. Plus, we'll have – we were green kits that are real bright. So, so many guys around me. Yeah. A bunch of guys riding the last day. That's that's the last of my worries. But the good thing is the planning as far as the route stuff is over because all I have to do is get to the start of the course in Pittsburgh, follow the Strava thing to Philly, and that'll take the balance of the week. And then I'm looking to do what I had planned to do originally, which is I wanted to finish on a weekend so as many people could arrive in Ocean City. I chose that as my finishing destination because it's not far from Philly. And I also have a bunch of family that's in Ocean City area and just use, uh, you know, the the sunny afternoons that are available for the rest of the week to get myself to Ocean City. Yeah. Well, how how old are you, Jared? I'm 36. 36. And September. All right. Yeah. Well, so... I mean, you've so you strike me as a determined guy. Obviously, you're you know you're looking forward. You sat down and you broke bread with uh, the guy that uh, you know caused the accident in 2016, and you're full of forgiveness. And you're out here. You're finishing this mission. I just wonder, you know, after Ocean City, like, what it what are your aspirations for after that? I mean, uh, do you can. I mean, do you have like this goal to be uh, to keep cycling so many miles every year, or just other things that are going to occupy twenty twenty one or your post pandemic life? Uh, I mean, what, post pandemic. What, hap- <laughs> what, yeah. what happens what after do, you hit what, the finish well, line? Maybe you have the crystal ball. What does post pandemic like look like going to well, work? I don't. Yeah, touche. Um, I have I have no idea, right. but I mean, okay. I'm, I'm hoping it's a little closer back to normal. But I, I know back it's going to gonna be a new normal. Yeah. So the the new normal. And there is new normals, and they actually use that term. That's that's a good buzzword. They they talk about that, and people say, you know, when they wish you the best with your post injured life, is you know, best wishes to a new normal, and you mm. you have to find a new normal. So you know, um, I, financially, I'm I'm doing fine. You know, I you know that's money's no issue or whatever. So I have no interest in going back. I, I did try it briefly at like Walmart, and just to keep busy. You know, life's really about keeping busy, and you know if there's a lot of people that go back to work that are retired because they just don't know what else to do. Now, I would never have that problem because I was – I mean I haven't been home. I haven't been home and now maybe a little bit since I'm in the state. But I've just been having a great time. I mean I have not been home since September 10th. I've It's been over a month I've been away. And some people that would say, wow, that's incredible. But you know, when you do – when you realize that your your lifeblood and your the, the reason for your existence like I did in 2016 and the times I spent hiking but especially on my trip I rode by myself I met people every day it was just like you wake up and you go to work you know the the sun's coming up you go to work I'm eating breakfast and and clipping in and I'm riding sun up to sun down and it just you get in a rhythm after about 2 weeks till you get used to it and it just becomes like you're going to work and uh you know there's a lot of I remember seeing a quote in a, like a sign in a bathroom one time and I it said not all those who wander are lost. And that's true. A lot of people think you do stuff like this that they think you're running away from something. No. They're just like people that hike that the the AT, I've hiked about a third of it. They say the journey is the destination. What's mm-hmm. your destination? I'm already on it. The journey is the destination. So, you know, once you start doing stuff like this and you realize that you really like to do it, all you can do is just keep doing it. So I've been fortunate enough that, you know, my finances have enabled me to travel quite a bit and, you know, I try to apply my time as much as I can, you know, 
um, volunteering at uh, off and on at bike shop in Bloomsburg, one at my parents. Um, you know, the winter is really a time where you have to buckle down and come up with things to do. I, you know, I play guitar, I do some open mics. Um, probably going to try to get more into that with picking up, uh, taking some lessons and, uh, just doing a lot of traveling. You know, you can't, you can't just sit at home and get stale. There's only so much home improvement you can do. And some people are really into that. I'd rather just travel and, there's actually no reason that you can't do that. There's a lot of people that just probably figured, oh, well, well, how do you travel? Well, how do you drive? How do you do these things? If you don't know how to and you're disabled, I mean, I, I try to be involved with peer mentoring and stuff. And, you know, lifelong cyclist, you know, lifelong runner, uh, elite on both levels, cross-country track, high school and college. Like, I stay involved with the cross-country team at college at Bloomsburg, and I volunteer with them when I can. I really like – um, the idea of getting involved with, you know, coaching and, you know, stuff that's involved running and cycling and, and hiking. And anytime people, you know, running, cycling and hiking are by far my, I do some other things, but they're by far my three biggest passions. And I perk up whenever I hear people that want to get involved, but they don't know how to, or they're struggling, you know, with something as simple as distance running and just completing a 5k and what they need to do to make that a reality. And you don't realize how much you know about that stuff until you sit back and realize that you did it for so many years that you know a lot about what you have to do because you do it yeah. and you can just tap into. So I really like helping people and for non-financial gain, just for the satisfaction of giving them goals that they want to meet with doing, uh, getting involved with cycling, whether it's just riding or racing and, and, gear gear heads and talking about gear and what I know works and what doesn't with, you know, those disciplines of cycling and running. And, uh, that's just what I'm trying to stay involved with. Cause obviously this thing's coming to a close. You know, I, I'll be honest, I really didn't know exactly what I was going to do with life after the first trip. And I wouldn't say that applies that much this time. Cause I've got a lot more time to think, but you know, going back to some nine to five and stuff like that's that's not for me. That's that's not what what I'm about. I just want to spend my time and do what I can to, you know, help other people stay stay fit and advocate for safety. And you know, life is still very much uh, and was before and always will be about cycling. You know, and I have to do it a little differently. I'll be honest with you. I was I really like to climb as far in, in the cycling realm. It's really hilly in Northeast PA where I live, and um, that's and. I used to purposely go up every mountain I could find. Now I avoid them like the plague because mm -hmm. and cycling is just a different entity in and of itself that you really want to mitigate, uh, minimize your, uh, exposure to, to climbs on, on routes. Because if you don't, it's really going to wear you down that much quicker. And these the really long Hills and stuff, miles and miles long. And you, you're not stuff that's really steep. It, it's really not even feasible on, uh, a hand cycle, but yeah. I, anyway, I think that answered your question going forward. But for now, my number one goal, as it was before, as my top bucket list thing was just, is just to complete to this thing, this trip to get to the other side, and uh, hopefully see a lot of friends and family that are going to welcome me into getting in there. And um, you know, I do stay involved with the charity over the years and promoting some of the uh, fundraising things that that they do and whatnot. But it's just. Um, it, it's just good to be out there and be involved and you know the, it's just looking forward to finishing the 
the trip first and foremost and getting there uh, this coming weekend. That's great. So this has been a lot of fun, Jared. Thanks for taking the time. So to, uh, lightning round edition here, I want you to answer these two questions just by listing off your favorites, no explanation. One, who's your favorite guitarist? Two, what's your favorite kind of pie? Oh, man. Uh, not a huge sweet tooth, so that second one might take me a second. Favorite guitarist, hands down, would have to be Angus Young. Okay. Big, uh, big ACDC fan. I cut my teeth growing up in college, learning how to play about half of their collection. Uh, and then as far as pie, I definitely have to go with pumpkin. Uh, definitely a pumpkin pie guy. It's fall. Perfect. Uh, it's definitely, if I, I don't often, uh, stuff pie into my face, but when I do, it would have to be pumpkin. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Well, Hey, thanks so much, Jared. Uh, Jessica bike listeners will be following you, uh, as you finish the journey and keep pedaling after that. So thanks so much. All right. Thanks a lot. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. See ya.